Good evening, everyone. So we've been discussing from the 56th Anucheda of Srila Jiva Goswami's Bhagavat Sandarbhas of all that is attainable. The ultimate attainment is the Supreme Lord's personal form. Jiva uh, Goswami says, in describing Brahma's vision, Brahma's vision being the vision Brahma had after stealing the calves and the cowherds of those individual manifestations of the calves and the cowherds turning into Vishnu forms, thus relieving him of the illusion he was in regarding where they were, the original forms, were they in the mountain cave where he'd hidden them away, or were they not? He didn't know. He was bewildered by his own illusion. He tried to steal the calves and cowherds and end up being having his intelligence stolen by Krishna. <laughs> he couldn't determine one way or another where were what was going on. He thought maybe Krishna was moving them back and forth as quickly as he was looking one way or the other. So Sukadev is narrating the Bhagavatam to Parikshit, and in describing Brahma's vision, Sukadev Goswami was simultaneously blessing Parikshit Maharaj that he too may realize the form of Krishna as seen by Brahma. Now the topmost attainment of Brahma's vision was really that he was seeing Krishna's personal form as a cowherd himself. This is an exceptional manifestation of the Lord that's the most intimate, the most secret of all secrets is this, the fact that ultimately God in his playfulness plays as a cowherd boy in the forest with friends and girlfriends, both friends that are girls and boys, and he serves his parents in a small cowherd village that's unlimitedly large to accommodate unlimited amounts of devotees who want to relate with him in that way. So although it's unlimitedly, it appears like the Lord to be medium-sized, it's unlimitedly large, but it appears to be limited in size to those that are participating in the Leela. We have to understand how deep this participation goes in Vraj Leela. It goes so deep that those that are participating become so wrapped up in the Supreme Lord. I mean, just imagine, this is God at the height of his at the height of his manifestation of himself 
there's no other form of the Lord. This is Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. This is the topmost form of the Supreme Lord. And it has sweetness. This form of the Lord has a sweetness that is so extraordinarily unique that it's a secret. Normally when people worship the Supreme Lord, and they worship uh, generally under some conception of the Lord that's been given to them through the scriptures. And primarily those forms of the Lord are ones that are approached by the worshiper with awe and reverence, which is natural. This is God. Let me fold my hands. And, and the awe and reverence comes about because of a recognition of the Lord's unlimited energies and his unlimited abilities. His, I mean, he's, he's God, so there's awe and reverence there, and that awe, awe and reverence uh, is created by the fact that, well, he is the, 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 the source of everything in existence. And he does completely control everything personally because he is a person in the ultimate issue. But to be the Supreme Lord, he has to entail everything. So he's both a person and not a person. He's, he has to have both those things to be complete in himself. So these conceptions of the Lord are there and they are played out properly for the various worshippers. Brahmati, Paramatmati, Bhagavaniti, Sabjate. All of them as the Yeyatamam Prapajante, all of them. As they approach me, I reciprocate accordingly. So what Jiva Goswami is saying here is the speaker of the Bhagavatam, Sukadeva Goswami, is is providing to his student, Maharaj Parikshit, the benediction that he will also have this most intimate conception of the Supreme Lord as his topmost objective. Just as Brahma is seeing Krishna in his most intimate form, and worshiping him there, his personal worship culminating in a desire on his part, if I could just be born here as some, some insignificant plant, and the dust from these devotees' feet, these people that have this conception of the Lord could fall on me, then I could develop the same affinity for this conception and be overtaken with the rapture that they have, a rapture that exceeds the Vaikuntha, the general Vaikuntha concept of the Lord, wherein there's a 
predominance of awe and reverence that always stands in the forefront. You just can't forget that God is God when you have, when you, first of all, your vision of the Lord, your experiencing of his form is that of a Vishnu manifestation, which is the primary manifestation in the, in the, in the spiritual realm. So how important is the guru to have a guru like Sukadev Goswami where you, you c- can be introduced by hearing from him to this form of the Supreme Lord, which is, which is the topmost, which is uh, beyond any other conception. So Jiva's, Jiva's relaying this to his students. In describing Brahma's vision, Sukadeva Goswami was simultaneously blessing Parikshit Maharaj. This is what happens when we meet this level of devotee and hear from them. They are blessing us with these highest of ideals. That he may too realize the form of Krishna as seen by Brahma. And then Jiva reminds us, while in the womb of his mother, Parikshit Maharaj, had seen the forearm form of Krishna. So in his womb, in the womb, a manifestation of Vishnu came, or a Vasudev Krishna, manifesting forearms to protect Maharaj Parikshit in the womb. So he'd already seen Krishna but not in not in the same way that Brahma saw the Krishna of Vraj and all this overwhelming sweetness that is the atmosphere of of Vrindavan the sweetest form the sweetest associates the sweetest leela and, and the sweetest flute playing. So these specific sweetnesses. So in the womb, Parikshit Maharaj had seen this, seen the form of Krishna, but Sukadev now is taking it a, a step further. He's wanting to give Parikshit Maharaj that vision of the supreme in Vraj Leela. Now, the, now, this is what Jiva says, now by the mercy of his spiritual teacher, he was able to behold the most beautiful form of Krishna with those additional sweetnesses. Indirectly, Sukadev was blessing any serious student of the Bhagavatam to be granted this vision of Krishna. So, just by participating in hearing what Parikshit Maharaj heard from Sukadev Goswami, we're being given the same opportunity of hearing about this form of the Supreme Lord. According to Vishwanath, this means they do not have to be aware of Krishna as the Supreme Lord. Or even as Krishna. Their love springs forth 
for him vehemently and unimpeded, whether knowingly or unknowingly. Giving us some insight into what is what is this form of the Lord, what is experiencing this form of the Lord like? Well, the people that experience it don't even need to know that that form is God because they've already attained the top attainment. So they don't have to see Krishna as God. They're with Krishna. They're seeing Krishna. And they're in seeing Krishna, they're seeing everything. They're experiencing everything. There's nothing left out there when it comes to this Raj Leela and seeing the Supreme in his home, in his place of complete comfort, in his comfort zone, where he knows he doesn't need to worry about any awe and reverence. He's treated as one of them. That was the whole point, was it not? He didn't say a word to Brahma. Brahma's trying to take this awe and reverence into Vraj, and Krishna will have nothing to do with it. He just stands there and listens. This guy must be important. Look, he has four heads, and he's bowing down before me, and he's offering me all these big prayers. He doesn't want awe and reverence coming into his place of play. Whenever we see here in this description mention of Krishna's dehi, possession of a body, we need to understand, and Jiva brings that out, that it's only a figurative reference. Krishna doesn't have a body the way we conceive of a body. That of presuming there is a difference between Krishna and his body. Because in this terminology, Dehi, we're naturally assuming that Krishna is having a body the way we have a body. And that's just not not there. Then Jiva ends with a little bit of a discussion regarding Dhruva Maharaja's revelation. Remember Dhruva Maharaj way back cantos ago. Sri Dhruva Maharaj therefore established that the form of the Lord meets the criteria of being the ultimate end of all that can ever be aspired for. Parma Purushartha. Purushartha. We know what the Purusharthas are. Arthas. Something you want to attain. Of course, the first one is Artha itself. Artha, Dharma, Karma, Moksha. What do you want in life? You want to be comfortable. You need, you need some facility for that. Artha. You need to mean a. You need to have a method of livelihood, and you need to, you know have the facilities of that livelihood. Kama. And from the fruits of your action, you want to enjoy. That is one of the objectives. So you need to have 
a means to attain enjoyment, artha, some form of livelihood, and you need to have artha karma, karma. You need to you need to be able to satisfy your senses with that. You need to be able to eat, sleep, have some sex life, and defend yourself from those that want to take those things away from you. So, artha, dhamma, you need to have some religiosity. Religiosity means you have to live at a level of consciousness which coincides with your involvement in the material world. So, Dharma is not the same for everybody. Dharma is very much dependent upon one's position in the social structure. The Dharma of a sannyasi is not the Dharma of a householder. The Dharma of somebody involved in the mode of ignorance is not the same as somebody in the mode of goodness. They leave different lives, and the Dharma that they must follow to better themselves depends on the condition that they are in. Now, the devotee is not interested in any of these four, these purutharthas. purutharthas. He, he's He's interested in his spiritual well-being. So he doesn't care about any of these things, even up to the point of moksha, the last purutartha. He doesn't care for moksha, nadanam. In fact, in the prayers that we chant before every class now, the saksastikam, Nadanam Najanam Nasundurim Kavitramba Jagadishakavai. I have no desire to accumulate wealth, Purushartha, Artha. I have no desire for beautiful women. This is like the epitome. What's being brought out is the epitome of Kama. Sensual enjoyment. So it's just a way of saying that. Could be for, for men it's women, for women it's men, or it could mean money. It's just all these things that are that are to enjoy the senses, eating lavishly, all, all those things wrapped up. If you were to wrap them all in one little package, well, for a man it would be a gorgeous woman to enjoy her sensually and vice versa. So Lord Chaitanya... This is this is the stage of of Ruchi. The stage of Ruchi is characterized by the fact that these things are no longer having a significant effect on us. Artha, Dharma, Kama, Moksha. There's no care anymore for these things. There's no care to better oneself through Dharma to to elevate oneself in life. We see Devotees of the Lord who are willing to accept the most abominable of material conditions. And they're perfectly happy. They're willing to walk naked in the world. They're willing to lay down and just eat and sleep in the same place and take whatever comes to them. Like a snake. Whatever comes, I'll stay here. 
That's a high, high platform of spiritual realization. So generally when we look to the Purusharthas, what are we looking at? We're looking at re a religious orientation to life, not a spiritual orientation. Although a lot of people will say, well, it is a spiritual orientation, but not in the way that the student of the Bhagavat learns what spiritual is. Maybe in the way of the Vedas, you can look to the Vedas and say, oh, well, there's these classes of men and these, these different ashrams that one goes through, and this is, this is spiritual life. But no, it's really just the same, more of the same. More of the same cycle of samsara, playing it out differently, going up to the heavenly planets and then down again after the enjoyments, the piety is, is the bank account is empty up there of all the piety that you have. There's a lot of enjoyment up there. Don't get, don't miss out. It's, it's, it's an amazing, an amazing place. You look to Indra, we just were discussing Indra's abode in the class on Vamana Dave. I mean, what a place to hang out. And how long? We can't imagine the length of a lifetime in a, in a heavenly body. We're lucky if we make it a hundred years. There, they're just getting, that's not even a, that's not even a day in their, in their existence. So Dhruva is saying this, this Parma Purushartha, this is the topmost goal. This form of Krishna, this puts everything else, it's just, they're not even in the same class. This is the verse from uh, Dhruva's uh, discourse on this. He says, O Supreme Lord, you are the bestower of true blessings. And your form is the supreme of all that is to be attained. So your lotus feet are the highest blessing for those who worship you constantly. This is what Dhruva did. He worshipped the Lord, but not to attain his form. He worshipped the Lord to attain a topmost position in the material world. He wanted to be a king. I'll give you a spiritual throne on a spiritual planet in the material world. No one will be able to supersede that. It's even better than the throne of Brahma because that had also crossed his mind. If I'm going to do these austerities, I might as well, you know. And what's he say? Once he's attained this, when he actually sees the form of the Lord... He says, that's something worth attaining. That is the parama, the absolute best of the best, Purushartha. Nothing can touch that. And when we talk about attaining that form, that itself is an eternal attainment. Krishna explains in the Bhagavad Gita that in this path, there's no loss or diminution. So as we started out our discourse on this particular Anarcheta, we use the, the expanded stages of devotional 
progression of Vishwanath Chakravarti. Remember, he adds two at the beginning and two at the end to the ones given by Srila Rupa Goswami and Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. So this attainment of the form of the Lord, it's never, it's not something that's that's lost. Shridhar Swami comments here. Jiva Goswami brings in a Shridhar Swami comment on what Dhruva Maharaj has said. O Lord, the ultimate end of all that is to be aspired for is supreme bliss. Your form is that supreme bliss. Hence, attaining your lotus feet is a true blessing. The supreme attainment, certainly much more so than receiving a kingdom, and so on. For whom? For those who perpetually worship you without any tinge of material desires, considering you in this way as the ultimate end of aspiration. Here ends the Sridhar Swami comment. So again we see Srila Jiva Goswami bringing out in his Sandarbha, Sandarbhas the commentary of Sridhar Swami. Remember the timing is he didn't have Vishwanath's commentary yet. Up to that point, Sridhar Swami's was probably the most pronounced bhakti commentary on Srimad Bhagavatam. Moving ahead to the 57th Anucheta. Krishna is sub to Brahman. So there's this Anucheta on the fact that Krishna is sub to Brahman, transcendental sound vibration. The next Anucheta, Krishna's body is the complete form of Bhagavan. In other words, everything that we conceive of of being Bhagavan, Bhagavan, is complete in Krishna. And then one last Anucheta, which will bring this section of the Sundarbhas to a close regarding the Lord's transcendental form, um, explains that the Lord's, everything that is his presentation, his paraphernalia is also of his same transcendental nature. Krishna is Sabda Brahman. Shri Goswami will explain here that the Brahman described in the Vedic literature is also the body of Bhagavan. So Jiva goes on. So the Brahman described in the Vedas is nothing other than the divine body of the Lord. Maitreya states this in the following verse, which comes to an appropriate conclusion. This is from the third canto of the Bhagavatam. So he's using that again as his primary praman evidence to support his statements. His statement being here that Brahman, the supreme Brahman, is as described in all in the Veda, is actually the Lord's body. O Vidura, this is Maitreya. O Vidura, being pleased, the lotus-eyed Lord showed himself to him, Kardama Muni, in Shacha Yuga, the Brahman known through Vedic sound, donning form. 
The word dadat, dawning, means manifesting that form, signifying that the Lord, named Sukla, exists in Satya Yuga, Kreta Yuga. In other words, he showed Kardama Muni that self-same form, which is Brahman, the absolute truth, revealed by Vedic sound. So Maitreya is speaking to Vidura, and he's recounting how Brahma, the creator of the universe at the very beginning of the universe, um, he had ordered Kardama Muni, who is one of the progenitors. These progenitors are in charge of filling the universe with living entities, giving them appropriate bodies. Um, and they do this in different ways. But they are, they're mystics. They're sages. So. But generally what we find out before they take up the task of creating bodily forms and filling the universe with jivas so that the jivas can play out their karma. So we're talking about that period where there's a universal manifestation, then there's a wrapping up of that manifestation, and a period of equilibrium again comes into play. Then the whole thing starts up again. So when it starts up again, Brahma creates the universe under the direction of the Supreme Lord. And those jivas that were, are sitting in a, in a stage of equilibrium, they now have to, have to manifest, be given forms so that they continue to play out their desires in material existence. And we find, as I said, generally when these Manus, these Munis, these progenitors, take on this important service, they first go in meditation for an extended period of time. So Kardama Muni, to create progeny, he performed ten penance for 10,000 years. That's quite a time to, to clear. In other words, if you're going to do an important job like be a progenitor and, and create bodies, you need to have clean, clear, crisp consciousness. So therefore, they would meditate for thousands of years, 10,000 years. They were, they were yogis extraordinaire, but still they never took on the task until, until they were fully content that their consciousness was clear. Now I can go out and do my job. It's like Guru Maharaj says, in his early days in devotional practice, he would go before the deity and he would chant Hare Krishna privately, just chanting his rounds in front of the deity, meditating on the deity, 
meditating on the day's work. His day's work was to sell and distribute books of spiritual knowledge. Until his consciousness it was clear, it, was, it worked, now I'm ready. He would stay until he felt he was ready, and then off to the task he would go. Generally involved at airport. <laughs> Similarly, Kardama Muni. So he meditated for 10,000 years on the bank of the Saraswati River. And the Lord finally was, he was pleased with him. Wow, you're doing it right. You're sh so he, he manifested his form before Kardama Muni to bless him, to, to, to reassure him, yes, now, now, you're, now you're ready. You're ready to do the task that Brahma's assigned to you. And that's the verse that's under discussion here. That's to give you some perspective. Maitreya is recounting what, what Kardama Muni experienced. And what's important is what did he experience? He didn't experience the Brahman. The result of his meditation was not entering into the white light, which might be a conception of what Brahman is. Of course, we know from the Vedic descriptions of Brahman that that would give it a characteristic, light and white. And we'd associate with it some energy. In doing so, that would be in opposition to the fact that Brahman can have no qualities. But that's not what Kardama Muni experienced. So of all we hear in the Veda about Brahman, he experienced Brahman as a form of a personality personally present before him. This was the absolute truth. So that's why the explanation is so important here. That when you hear of Brahman through sabda, meaning transcendental sound vibration, which originates with the Vedic sounds coming from the lips of Brahma, that concept of the supreme reality, the absolute truth, the supreme personality, is just that. It is the supreme and he has, she has a personal form. And it's a personification of Subdabrahman. So there's very various types of evidences, pramans, valid means of knowing something. And these were outlined in the Tattvasandarbha, specifically in the ninth Anacheda. Therein it is explained that Bhagavan's form could be understood only through Subda Praman. Subda Praman, 
or revealed sound. Thus, his body is his body is called Subda Brahman. So, if we think back to the Tattvas and Dharma, and that discussion, that there are different evidences. Now, in in our world, primarily, what's the evidence that's accepted? You can experience what I can hear, what I can see, what I can smell, what I can taste, what I can touch. These knowledge-acquiring senses give us, well, knowledge, knowledge-acquiring senses. They give us a sense of what something smells like, what something tastes like. They're not fully reliable because they're not consistent. You could be put in a in a in a situation where your body is freezing. And at a certain point during that freezing, you feel like you're burning up. But actually you're freezing. What you experience with your senses is not the same that I experience. There'll be a difference based on our mental filtering of the experience. And based on the reliability, specifically the age, and the fact that the sense that we're using, the instrument we're using to bring in the experience into our consciousness is reliable. If I remove these, the experience isn't as reliable (laughs) as it would be. Some people need a hearing aid. We won't mention names. (laughs) But some people need... So how reliable is that? So in the very beginning of these Sundarvas, Jiva says, don't you want to know the truth? Wouldn't it be nice to, to have reliable truth? Well, if you think that's something you'd like to have, then where can you put your faith to acquire truth? And he goes through the different kinds of praman, the different evidences. And of course, one of them is the senses. And he says, just for some of the reasons I've given, they're good, but they're not great. You can... you. You can hear, but you can't hear as good as the dogs across the street. You can smell, but they can outsmell you too. Now taste, you probably have finer taste than they do. They will eat about anything, and they eat some foul and disgusting things that I doubt you or I would. So, but that's sense perception. And you can infer, and we could go back and study all those different types of praman, but Jiva Goswami tells us, if you want the very best praman when it comes to spiritual knowledge, that's the Vedic knowledge. Ultimately, we accept this Vedic knowledge 
as coming from the Supreme Lord himself. If he wants to enlighten humanity, he can, and he does. And he has a methodology to that. That is Shruti, a Purushaya. It's sound vibration coming from the transcendental realm. It is not human. It's spiritual sound. So therein it's explained that we're talking about Bhagavan's form and we're talking about having reliable evidence to know what that form's like. And of all the ways of knowing that form, hearing is the most reliable. And of all the things that we want to hear from regarding the Lord's form, it's probably not a good idea to... to he may or may not have the drunkard on the street that says, hey, I saw God last night. That may not be as reliable. So Jiva says, if you want to rely, then you can rely on Vedic sound. And of all the Vedic sound, the Bhagavatam is the topmost reliable source for spiritual knowledge regarding the form of the Lord. You can't beat it. It's, it has the grade A seal of approval by all the saints and sages who know what is reliable, who you can rely on. Guru, Shadu, and Shastra. It's certified. So in the Bhagavatam, it says that Subta Brahman, or revealed sound, is the only way of knowing the form of the Lord. Now that knowing, of course, we're talking about knowing before experiencing spiritually. Thus, his body is Subta Brahman. The Lord's body is self-luminous. which means that it reveals itself and hence cannot be perceived by material senses. Moreover, because Subda reveals the form of the Lord, Subda or Subda Brahman is non-different from him. This was confirmed by the Lord himself to King Chitraketu. This is from the sixth canto. Krishna speaking to Chitraketu. Subda Brahman and Param Brahman are my two eternal bodies. So we'll stop there for this evening. That's the end of the 57th Anacheda. Thank you so much for your association.